Okay, first up, huge thanks to uh, Heather for being here with the latest addition to the Sega family. Great example, great way to start. Just uh, really wonderful. Okay, um, last week we talked about this first part of this three things that all of life is really based on. And of course, uh, for those who are creative and artistic, they have latched onto the issue of these three elements of life. And we know it a lot in the form of a three-act play. And uh, we don't always see it as the three acts, but it's the framework Hollywood uses, it's the framework authors use, it's the framework playwrights have used because it's a reflection of what happens in life. And last week we talked about the first phase, the upward journey, the upward line of that series of three things, which is known as the heroic journey, the time of dreaming, the time of being excited, moving forward, but it's also a time of ego. It's time when you are the, you are the, the, the center of your own story, the star of your own play. And uh, the problem is that that is important, but if only that goes on, it can cause some problems. And uh, I'll explain where the turn comes in a moment, but it brings us to this second phase, which is known as the crisis of limitations. It's the name given to that part of our journey when we suddenly or gradually discover we may not be who we think we are and may not be able to do what we think we can do. It's where the journey changes from outward pursuing to inward searching. It turns to a question of true identity and meaning. For me, this particular part of our conversation around these things is, uh, I find very personal, very poignant, uh, very painful and the most difficult of the three for me to, to talk about. Whether this thing happens to us uh, fully conscious and whether it can be verbalised or not, it begins to trigger within us an appropriate sense of one's boundaries and, and it's a healthy thing to suddenly realise that there are issues of life that we have to address on the inward. Now, here's the thing, to truly know God, it is God that calls us really on this journey of wholeness and it's about understanding him and understanding us and understanding what is the end of it, which is coming into wisdom's journey. Now, I want to just read something. It's easier for me to read this than to say it. I remember all too well back in almost this exact time in 2003... I was perceived by many to be relatively successful and yet my world came crashing down around me and I feared that I would lose everything that I'd spent my life building up to that time. What happened is not important. What it did to me is. I remember collapsing in a heap in, in our kitchen and crying out, help me Jesus, I don't know what to do. My heroic journey of cleverly masked self-absorption and egocentricity was at a crossroads. I could have carried on blatantly disregarding all that life was telling me. I could have shut out the pain, excused myself from reality and carried on as though all was the same, but it wasn't. Carrying on in disregard would have been a supreme act of foolishness. In my life, the old images were fading before my very eyes. 
I was about to face the challenge of the part of life's journey known as the crisis of limitation. It begins the moment we come face to face with the sense of our own limitations and the search for our true identity. It finds its example biblically in the story of the two sons in Luke 15. One is known as the prodigal, but they were both really a problem. And the issue with those two sons is that one son found he couldn't stay where his father was and he asked for his inheritance and he cleared off to a distant country and had to come to a point where he realised that what he had received being part of the father's house when you leave the father's house doesn't last forever because the inheritance you were given runs out when you leave the house you were given it. I wish some people would learn that lesson and they would save themselves a whole lot of pain and then the older brother he stays in the house because he's so full of his own darn goodness and his own ability and his own sacrificial giving to the house so full of that his ego trip is I'm better than my brother I've never lacked anything I've always worked hard I've done everything but he was distant from his father he had to come to a moment of realisation that all his goodness was simply making him bitter and resentful and not whole. There's another little story there as well in Luke chapter 12 of a man who it says was doing pretty well. And thank God for people doing pretty well. It's always wonderful to do pretty well. But the problem is, as he was doing well, he thought, what I'll do in life, I'll just make more stuff and I'll build bigger barns and I'll put all my stuff in the barns and then I'll say, I'm okay because look at what I've achieved and my barns are full of stuff. But there's a wonderful verse there because it says that the master or God said to him, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Now, the, King, the, the New International Version wrongly translates that to say that tonight you'll die. I don't think it's got anything to do with him dying. I think that he's going to have an encounter with his soul in that night. Your soul will be required of you. Something much deeper than your stuff and your performance and your, and your extravagance and also your, you know, your, your, your arrogance, all that stuff is going to be required of you. And, and here's what it says, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. I want you to be rich towards God. You can think you can party your way out of this. You think you can, you, you can work your way out of this. You can think you can spend your way out of it. But the truth is you can't. The great challenge which determines whether we make a turn towards wisdom's journey or carry on like a fool is one of self-identifying with either the shadow self or the real self. It comes as a shock to many of us to realise that we're more focused on the shadow self than the real self. The problem with shadows is this. If you put a light close to a mouse and look at it on a wall a hundred feet away, the mouse is bigger than an elephant. And the problem is if the mouse begins to believe it's bigger than the elephant, it will do things and try to do things it was never designed to do because it's living in an illusion. And all of us struggle with honesty. I've dealt with many people in my life who have said, I just want you to be honest. What they mean is I want you to be honest about you. But guess what happens if you're honest about the person who says, I just want you to be honest. Because the truth is we live with our shadow and we can't accept it. And yet the way to freedom in this crisis of limitations is when we honestly 
face ourselves. The truth is you are set to become an old fool if you don't regard the signs. Those of you determined to carry on your merry way, insisting on keeping your self-assessment intact, regardless of the signs, you're set to become what is known as an old fool. One who just doesn't get it and resists any attempt to interrupt your false self-fantasy and what life is trying to tell you. You are a desperately shallow while thinking yourself deep. And it's not bad to admit, sometimes I'm shallow and not deep. I've come to some realisation. I, I was shocking for me today because the more I thought about this, I wrestled with my inner being and thought, really, in essence, have I really moved out of this place of limitation yet? Have I really engaged with wisdom's journey? Am I really still struggling to face the inner part of me and to be honest about the inner part of me, to really receive what it is that I need to change to become the person that I need to be in dealing with the things that have brought me to this place. The truth is, though, that in love, we're all being called to make the turn to the path that leads to wisdom and to rebirth. There's an invitation to a better way, if only we'll take it. The truth is... uh, Honesty can make you go a bit doolally before, before it brings you to the point of wisdom. And I think the whole point of tonight is really about how we resist this process because uh, we can't take away the fact that it, it, it is and it can be painful and it's meant to be because we somehow have an aversion to, to truth and honesty and reality. And... Uh, I take a risk any time that I'm, I'm honest with you about my own weaknesses and failings because actually most people struggle with honesty, particularly in leaders and in me, and I'll tell you for two reasons. Uh, number one, because if I show that I'm being honest about my weaknesses and failings, you might have to be honest about yours, and some people are like, well, I'm leaving because the last thing I want to do is be honest about my weaknesses and failings, and if you're being honest, I might be drawn to be honest, so I'm getting out of here while the going's good, and we continue to play the game and play the sham, and it's one of the reasons I hate the religious system, because we've created an environment where that can take place and does take place, and it's dishonest and incestuous and the more I see it the more I dislike it there's also another reason why people dislike um, honesty particularly in leaders because the thing and if you're not perfect if you haven't got it all together if you've got all these weaknesses if all this stuff is going on in you how can I follow you well if you want I can play the game and I can pretend like so often happens And we can all pretend and play the game and actually then instead of it being real life, we are just stuck in the acts of a play and nothing ever changes for all of us. And the trouble is most of us go through life without ever being willing to wrestle with the freedom that comes when we embrace the crisis of limitations. I may not be who I thought I was, but you can be who God called you to be and who God made you to be. One of the other ways this is described in books is as midlife crisis. Um, I think that's fine, but my problem with that is that it kind of locates it within a specific framework of life, and it can happen in midlife, but, but it depends how you define midlife. It happens to all of us in the middle of something. 
And it's in the middle of it, and here's what happens when we're confronted with our own limitations. It triggers unfamiliar feelings. And that's part of the issue. The feelings are unfamiliar. We don't know what to do with them. It often is accompanied by an inner loss of meaning, sometimes accompanied by feelings of failure. I'm very familiar with that. I'm very familiar with the challenge of that about God. Some of you would love me to be so confident about God and about life and about eternity that I would just come in and say, do this, this, this and this, tick that box, tick that box, tick that box. And you'd be happy to go away. But all I'm doing is drawing you into an illusion. The truth is our quest for God and our journey for God is more complex than that. And people think if you read the Bible, it makes you certain. But you look at the struggle of the people in the Bible in their journey to know God, but who came to greatness because the Embrace that struggle. It gives us a sense of one's world falling apart. You know, I, I wondered back in 2003, where is God in all of this? Because all the things that I never expected would happen to me happened to me. Here's another thing that happened to me. Where are my friends in all of this? Where are those people who swore that they'd got my back? I don't know which back it was that they'd got. But it sure didn't do me any good. And I found that many of them were more willing to stab me in the back than were willing to protect my back. Because when you come to this place, it's a sense of one's world falling apart and you have to wrestle with that. But it's okay. It's part of the journey. How perceived heroic virtues don't usually work anymore nor are they always helpful. So if you just carry on with the same old formula and wonder why it's not working anymore because you've made a transition, you're now in the crisis of limitation, those things don't work the same anymore. It's a time when people are not being what we want them to be and when things are not doing what we want them to do and we're not being what we want to be because old ways now fail us. But that's because we're coming to a new way. This is leading us to something that connects to the life and ministry of Jesus. Jesus was at a crisis of limitation when he had his encounter in the Garden of Gethsemane and said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. I really would rather not face this because all that's going on in me right now is a struggle. It was a struggle for Jesus. Now, during this period, I wrote this as a bio for the people needing one for conference promotions, etc. And when I compare this with some of the others, how many of you, how many of you have read? There's two things you need to read. Read a person's bio if they are a public speaker, or if they're not, read their Facebook profile and see whether the Facebook profile or the bio is the person you know. I've met some people that I thought I knew on Facebook when I read their Facebook profile, I'm thinking, that's not the person I know. Because all of us, because we don't make the shift from the heroic journey and we go on to be foolish, we still remain legends in our own mind. And there's nothing quite like the circuit of preachers. And also anybody who's in public speaking and you read the bios, they're all just, I mean, it did just ego-polishing you know, self-presenting, self-promoting. And, and I've been there, I'll admit it. It was what you do, it's what you saw, it's what monkey see, monkey do. And I don't want a term of spirituality where it's monkey see, monkey do. I want you on your journey, finding God for you, finding who you are and becoming a whole because you have a holistic understanding 
of the kingdom of God. And so when I was in the middle of this, about three years later, I wrote this. I thought, I can't play the game anymore. And uh, it, went, it went down absolutely like a lead balloon. And I know why it did, because when I presented this, it wasn't, it wasn't what people were wanting to put in their conference brochure. You know, if I'd have put, he, 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 he flashes sparks from his fingers and lightning bolts from his behind, that would have been in the horse, oh, was amazing, just come at all, oh, absolutely fantastic. This wasn't liked, but this was me, and to a great degree, it's still me. Here's what I put. Anth, as he is affectionately known, Chapman, is a man who often struggles with the issues of value and inadequacy. This regularly develops into an overwhelming sense of self-loathing and failure. He has been reduced by grace to find his hope only in one source. He does not pastor a megachurch, he's not on TV broadcasting to millions, nor is he an apostle to tens of thousands in the nations of the earth. He does not have his own radio show or feature in the Christian press. He has for the last 20 years, so this is at least seven years ago, been trying to lead a wonderful crowd of people at the Rock Church as we were then, York, England, to be a good husband to his wonderful wife, Chris and become at some point a great father to their children, Joel, who was 27 then, and Connie, who was 16. He is a man who is trying to live daily under the loving gaze of a compassionate father and experience the grace and mercy that flows to him regardless of all his weakness and failure. He is a man locked into discovering in each moment the relentless tenderness of Jesus, hoping that each day Christ might be proud to write his signature over his life. You see, our resistance to the pain of the inward journey often triggers in us not a humility, but multiple attempts to regain power and control by whatever means we can use. And within the sense of loss, we tend to begin apportioning blame. It's his fault, it's your fault, it's their fault, it's the marriage's fault, it's the church's fault. And so within that, we either are at the beginning of humility or bitterness, one or the other. We're going to talk about that next week. Whichever of these two, humility or bitterness, you engage, will determine the next major shift in direction and will determine something very precious, whether your wounds become fatal or whether your wounds become sacred. Remember what I told you, you will not be measured by the good that you do, but by the grave you accept. If you can get to the point in this where you die, like Jesus, you will live.